Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. As always, I am Joe Galena, and I got my buddy here with me, Scott Chu. What's going on, Scott? Oh, I'm I'm living the dream today, Joe. I uh, I'm absolutely exhausted because I fell asleep on the couch, slept like crap. It's a nice couch, but it's just not a sleeping couch. It's a napping couch. Mm. You know what I mean? Good mm-hmm. for a nap. You try to sleep on that thing. My back hurts. My neck hurts. But you know what? I'm I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay because we get to keep talking about baseball, and it wasn't 80 degrees and humid today. So I'm just going to take the W's where I can get them. There you go. Yeah, And you talk about warm weather uh, over the p- weekend. By the way, we're recording this Monday night, the 23rd. It's about 1030 Eastern time. That's why Scott's tired, but he's going to power through. Um, but it was uh, 90. We had two 90 degree days here in New York City over the weekend there, Scott. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this in the past. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it seems like every podcast we talk about you know baseballs and how far they're traveling and whatnot but the the bats do seem to be coming alive now um you you had the astros with five home runs in a game you had josh rojas with a three home run game so i just took a look at april numbers versus may now you know there's still some may left but we've got enough of it just to make a comparison and april you had um a 231 batting average 307 OBP and a 369 slug and in May so far 242 batting average 309 OBP and a 391 slug so that's a 11 point gain on batting average and slugging is up even more slugging is up three from 369 to 391 from April to May so bats are starting to heat up yeah, it's almost like there was this short spring training uh, that was interrupted and that there was uh, some weird stuff that went on and that this doesn't it, it's almost like this doesn't happen every year. That doesn't mean the things that we were talking about last month weren't true. It doesn't mean the ball wasn't changed. It doesn't, those things are still true. I think what we've all been, you know, one of the reasons you haven't seen a lot of the big, you know, uh, stat create or the uh, the projection creators do. You haven't seen them make this huge shift in their projections. Why? Because they were waiting for this. Mm. They were waiting for adjustments to be made. Part of it is just better weather, better conditions. Some of it is getting more, you know, lined up with the season. Some, I mean, just so many reasons for that. And it's, you know, it, it's very natural. And again, it's not like those things didn't matter. It's just it. April makes everything seem like more. It, it makes slumps seem like more. It makes hot streaks seem like more. It makes everything seem like more. And this was just another one of those things. Right. And uh, we're talking about that the weather is heating up. And I, I talked about 90-degree weather here in New York. And, and we had uh, basically a snow out on Friday in Denver. But uh, obviously, the warmer weather is on its way. So good stuff. So you were talking about how it's fun just covering baseball. Just, and, and this has been a fun uh, week there, Scott, because, uh, well, let's start with the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals called up uh, one of their high-profile prospects uh, that we had talked about, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago uh, initially, Nolan Gorman, second baseman. Uh, his first two games went five for 10, just one strikeout in those first two games. And that was an issue that we were worried about was the, uh, you know, the high strikeout rate that he had in AAA, whether or not it would carry over uh, to the major leagues. And uh, they've got some pretty good young players that they called up previously. Juan Yepes, he's still hitting. I think he hit a home run tonight. And and Brendan Donovan's still hitting. Uh, I think he's uh, two for three last time I looked. Uh, remember, we're recording this Monday night, the 23rd at about 1030 or so. And with Dylan Carlson hitting the IL uh, looks like he's going to be out for a little while with a hamstring issue. Uh, looks like these three young players could be in line for some regular bats, at least for the short term. Yeah. And, and I think for the short term is exactly how I would be looking at particularly Brendan Donovan and Juan Yepes, right? We don't know enough about those two players in particular to make a lot of sweeping conclusions about what we've seen, despite how good it looks. There's nothing about the stats that tell us that Juan Yepes is a fraud, nor does it tell us that he's the next great first baseman 
uh, for, you know, or whatever position they feel like putting him in for the Cardinals. Field, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wherever. Right. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's not that either. What he is right now is hot and eventually he'll be cold for a little bit. What happens after that? That's the money stuff that gives us a lot about what a player can be going forward. Now, slightly different is Nolan Gorman. Why much better track record for Nolan Gorman. Right. And with him, you know, hit tools, a little bit of a problem. I'm glad to see he's not striking out right now. Now, Mm -hmm. of course it helps that he's in the middle of this scorching hot lineup with also a bunch of veterans. So when Norlin Gorman gets to hit second with, you know, against the pirates. And again, this was against the pirates, not known for their stellar pitching, but you know, it's against the pirates. He's in the middle of this hot lineup. He's the rookie. He's the one that they're going to attack. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's like when he's hitting second, okay, do we want to attack Paul Goldschmidt, who's hitting the ball better than like anybody in baseball or this rookie that, you know, they say might be good. Right. Like that's who you're going to go after. Or like Juan Yepes. Like, yeah, he's been hot, but I didn't know about Juan Yepes until a month ago. Right. Right. I didn't know he. So I'm going to attack him. Uh, So what I want to see one is when Juan Yepes and Brendan Donovan are ones that pitchers start planning for. They get slowed down a little bit. They get attacked in a new way, and then they adjust, hopefully, and we see what happens. Whereas with Nolan Gorman, I just want to, for him, see that the strikeouts don't kill him and that he shows off the power, and he does have two doubles. That's the kind of stuff I want to see, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a prospect known for his power. Yeah, the batting average might fluctuate here and there because his hit tool was never great, but he hits for a ton of power. I want to see that that power translate at the big league level. He doesn't need to hit a home run in his first three games. Two doubles is plenty for me to say if you're a Nolan Gorman believer, many people are, top 100 prospect, uh, top 50 for some people. If you're a believer, that's enough to probably buy in for now. But Mm -hmm. if you don't know anything about him, don't go start, like, don't start cutting legitimate good players like, you know, top 100 players to get this prospect. Because the hope for Nolan Gorman is that he can be a top 100 player going forward. Don't cut a guy who already is. Those are the questions I get a lot on Twitter and on Reddit and all those things. And I understand the feeling because they're frustrated, but like you're like, don't, don't cut a guy who is probably a top hundred player for someone you hope can be a top hundred player. Hmm. So that that's the kind of thing that can be very tempting at this time in the season. Cause you need to make a move. Don't do that. Right. Enjoy that. Nolan Gorman had a three hit game hitting second. Hopefully they keep hitting him second and roll with it. Uh, but otherwise, you know, Enjoy it, you know, Gorman, you can be a little more patient with, but like once you want, if Juan Yepes or Brendan Donovan go on a two week slump, let him go. Hmm. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you a crazy question. We've seen Juan Yepes now for a few weeks and you, you know, you're right. He, I mean, he started out like a house of fire, continues to, to hit, you know, very well. Now, if someone in your league just goes crazy and says, Hey, look, you know, I need to get this guy. Yep. As I believe in him and wants to, you know, trade you, you know, a slumping veteran. I'll I'll give you two names. If someone comes to you and says, look, uh, Tyler O'Neill, for Juan Yepes. Now Tyler O'Neill's on the IL batting 195 with two home runs and uh, three stolen bases or Kyle Schwarber who's batting 200 with 10 home runs and 22 RBI. If some crazy person in your league, comes to you and says hey look would you do the trade would you i, I love the extreme examples here because they are st- extreme there but, yeah. but that's uh, why i like them because there's a reason that you're at that, that someone can ask right i actually had a question in the reddit ama we do every friday a lot of fun someone asked i it was either this week or last week about what do i you know do i cut max muncie right and my response was like no And they knew the answer was no, probably, but I understand why you ask, Mm -hmm. right? That's fair. You can ask, you can entertain the thought, right? But for Tyler O'Neill, absolutely not. Stop it. Stop it. Because the upside of Juan Yepes is still not Tyler O'Neill upside. Right. No, I'm saying if someone comes to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, yeah. you take Tyler O'Neill every time. Okay. All right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the range of outcomes is like the ceiling for Juan Yepes just doesn't match. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, like maybe in a super, super shallow league where Tyler, like where top 30 outfielders are fringy players. I'm sure there's a league, like an eight team league like that somewhere. But 
in every other league, like absolutely not. Now Schwarber, maybe again in like a 10 team, three outfield league where Schwarber's hot and cold streaks can end up with him on a wire. Maybe. Right. But only if you're, if you're accepting that it's really risky and probably stupid, you can be stupid. You're allowed to be stupid if it's fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And not breaking your league or something. Right. But in every other league, no, you don't take that risk because the upside isn't enough. Like, even if, even if you're right, if this is that one potential universe where you're right, like, what do you get out of it? You know, if, if you're the one giving up an O'Neill, you know, what do you, what are you getting out of this? Like, in what, like, there's one possible universe out of like a million where you look like a genius for this. And even then, is it going to win your league? Is the difference between Juan Yepes and Tyler O'Neill going to win your league? Absolutely not. Um, in in that best case scenario where Juan Yepes outperforms Tyler O'Neill, there's not you know not going to happen. But again, it you can't you can't fault yourself for thinking about it. But right. yeah. don't use these stats that we're going to talk about today, which I'm excited about. X stats. Mm-hmm. Don't use those stats to justify these crazy questions. Ask the crazy question, Joe. Mm-hmm. Ask it, and then when you go and research. That's when you need to start making sure you've got the objective mind. Right. The passionate mind can take you to the question. <laughs> Do I want to make this move? Because right. sometimes you find really interesting things. That's well, where the- I found out. That's how I got Akil Badu. Right. That's where that all came from was a dream. And then I was patient and saw the stats start to play it out. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is going to work. Yeah. And then that dream turned to a nightmare. For a but little while. For now. But, yeah, yeah, for now. For now. Yeah. But all the stories are like this, right? Yeah, like yeah. the 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 night is the darkest before the dawn kind of thing. There right? you go, talking dark night. I love it. The night is darkest just before the dawn. I promise you. The dawn is coming. Stay with me. <laughs> I, I need this for a kill but anyway, like I, sorry, I get so many questions about this and I, I just okay. I felt like I have to I have to explain to everyone that like I'm not trying to throw water like you know all over every what it is you're trying to be excited about. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be that wet blanket. But like just keep in mind what is the upside. When you go and look at those projections on Fangraphs, there's a reason th- those projections aren't probably what's going to happen, but they should give you an idea of what that range of outcomes is that's most yes. likely. So she was in as as, as a tool for as a for, guy, yeah, as a guy, and then you can start saying, "Oh, I think he can be fifty percent better than that," which is an incredibly aggressive projection. Mm-hmm. But even that, at least that gives you a point of comparison to right. start with. Do those kinds of things after you ask the crazy question. Yeah, see that crazy question I asked you was based on you know a lot of guys and gals that drafted not a lot, but some guys and gals that drafted Tyler O'Neill. Might have, you know, heard the the uh, the doubts about O'Neill because he had a lot of strikeouts last year, and but you know they saw the the power and the speed, and they're like, I'm drafting him. But then they got you know buyer's remorse, and then they see this guy Yepes just going off, and you know they make this crazy offer, and it is a crazy offer. Um, but it, you know, it's, like you said, it's what fantasy. Uh, baseball is all about, especially at leagues that have trades, you know. So um, Adley Rushman is another uh, top prospect who was called up this past week uh, by the Orioles. Um, unfortunately, went 0 for 4 tonight against the Yankees. Yankees lost three straight now, uh, Scott, first time all season. But anyway, I digress. But he's 2, two for 12 on the season. Obviously, uh, uh, top uh, catching prospect, uh, 282, 391, 488, triple slash in the three minor league seasons. Uh, we've been talking about him for a, a long time, and I'm sure everyone's seen that video of when he first got promoted. There's actually two videos that I'm talking about. There's one where he actually gets on the field for the first time and just does a spin around just to take a look at the crowd, just to take it all in for the first time. And there's also that video going around where he's called into the manager's office and he's being told that he's getting promoted. But um, Adley Rushman, um, what are your uh, feelings or 
what's your projections in terms of Adley Rushman, uh, you know, going forward? So here's the thing in a two catcher league, he was probably drafted and held, right? Those tend to be deeper leagues, 15 teamers. He was probably already drafted and held, right? Like he wasn't part of some of the waiver bonanza that went on in like the NFBC because he's been on a roster the whole time, Mm -hmm. but in the single uh, catcher leagues, he probably shouldn't have been right because catchers don't make that big of a difference. But now that he's here, Mm -hmm. I think you love the plate discipline for Adley Rutschman, right? Like you love that. He's not this like just hacker because they have those kinds of players have a really hard time transitioning into the big leagues. I would have loved to have seen maybe him be a little bit hotter in triple a, but I mean, it was only the batting average. that was down. He still had a three thirty seven OBP. Uh, there's power here. Uh, there's power at catcher. I, I think maybe the best major leaguer comp that I could make. That's like sort of fair for the near term is like a Tyler Stevenson kind of guy. Mm. Uh, so he's right on that borderline of streaming catcher, but because he's Adley Rutschman to go with him. I think you really had to make that call You and you already had to make it, but you had to make that call of you got to lock him in because you can't roster two catchers in a single catcher league. You need that bench spot for something else. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. There's always a better use than a backup catcher. So that's the one thing that that's the only reason I don't have Rutschman on any of my teams. I'd rather just stream the catcher. It's not that I don't believe in Rutschman. It's just that, there's so few catchers that I would consider a plug and lock in. There's maybe five, four, five in the whole mm-hmm. league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very few of them keep that title for a whole season, right? That's like three or four of them. So that's so Rutschman, I think, can have a big impact. But like, this is not like a league winner, right? This mm-hmm. is like hopefully better than a streamer, right? Which sounds uh, depressing, but so few catchers are above that line. They really are. Yeah. Uh, Greg Gibbons wrote a, a nice article uh, for Pitcher List about the top 10 prospects to stash right now. And you can check it out on PitcherList.com. Uh, so uh, any anybody that you're stashing right now, a, a guy uh, that I was able to get um, for a buck a couple uh, last week, actually, uh, Luis Garcia, second baseman for the Nats. I don't know what the heck they're waiting for. This guy did have uh, uh, some time 2020 and 2021 with the Nationals, 110 mediocre MLB games where he batted uh, 254 over those two seasons. But uh, they got, what, Cesar Hernandez playing second base right now. He's playing a a decent second base. But uh, Garcia can play some shortstop. And he's just raking in AAA there, Scott. He's got a, a 329, 386, 577 slug. He's got eight home runs and 27 RBI in 36 games. What the heck are the Nats waiting for? I mean, maybe it's just that, like, he's not super exciting overall. Uh, Yeah, I've never been... I don't want to say I'm not impressed by him because he's a major league baseball player. And that's an impressive thing. Mm. But as far as fantasy concerned, I've never really found him to be very exciting. I've never really found, you know, he doesn't have like a big standout tool. Like what's the upside for him? Uh, Like as, as someone, you know, you're waiting for him in a deep league, but like if he had a full 162 game season of just being the best he can be, what's the comp? I could see him being a 15, 15 guy. You know, batting maybe a, a 285, 290 average. And who like, is that? That's, I mean, that's, that's not bad, but mm-hmm. like that, like that's the peak, right? right? Like, and more realistically, he falls short, short of those targets. And that means in 10 and 12 team leagues, fringy, right? But deeper than that, you start talking about like middle infield, there's usefulness there, mm. right? Um, but again, you know, I, I'm not trying to just like bash on the guy as far as, stashing goes one in 10 and 12 team leagues i basically don't Mm. i and very rarely would i stash someone like i would consider spencer spencer torkelson a stash because while he's already on the big league roster like you're not really starting him i mean he's been a little better lately but you're you know you're kind of like using a bench spot to hope that he turns it around. That's the level of prospect in a 10 or 12 team league. You have to hold on to like one of the top prospects in baseball who is not like on the cusp of a starting role, but like in a starting job, right? right. Um, the best prospect I could think of right now to stash 
uh, that I've been really excited about is Corbin Carroll. But mm. quite frankly, in a 10 or a 12 team league, I don't think I would advise that you stash him unless you have like an NA spot or something, because I'm not sure he actually gets called up. Right. Mm. Like, yes, he is dominating in double A right now. 169 plate appearances, 694 slug. Right. Like he, I mean, he's been unbelievable in the minor leagues, but it's still, he hasn't been in the minor leagues for very long. And he's just, if he doesn't play, you know, if you add him now and he doesn't start playing until mid August, like you had, a, you probably had a better use for that roster spot because even when he comes up, you, you can't guarantee success right away. You don't know what kind of playing time he'll see. You have all those questions and you're not even sure when it's going to happen. I just can't stash in those leagues. Mm-hmm. Now in deep leagues, like absolutely. Corbin Carroll's the type who, with that kind of play discipline, the power he's shown, he can be a real difference maker. But that's the other thing. I'm not stashing prospects just because they're going to like get playing time, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I'm stashing prospects because they are explosive. Like Lassie's in like the Wander Franco type player. Right. But not just someone who like, I'm not, it's sort of like, do you stash a pitcher just because he might get to play the Rockies on the road in a couple weeks? Right. Like that's mm. the kind of imp. Like, no, if it's just for that, you know, one game. No, no, no. you'll wait. You'll yeah. wait. And if someone, if someone beats you to the punch, you're like, all right, well, enjoy the dead roster spot till then. Right, right, right. right? So that's my mentality. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at a lot of prospects. Not that I don't think they'll be good. It's just if they'll be good, you don't even know when it'll be. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I had been stashing Nolan Gorman in a 15 teamer and, and thankfully that worked out. Well, we'll see, you know, for the long term, we'll see what happens. But uh, just one other guy I'll just talk about. And I don't uh, roster him in any other places, but I think he might have a shot at uh, getting a call up fairly soon. Vinny Pasquantino, first baseman for the Royals. It doesn't hurt that he's an Italian guy as well, you know. Uh, but you got Ryan O'Hearn batting uh, buck 62. You got Carlos Santana batting uh, 140. Hunter Dozier's played some first base for the Royals and put up some decent numbers. But you look at what uh, Pasquantino has been doing in 40 games, has 40 RBI with 10 home runs, 274 batting average. And uh, in his uh, three. Uh, minor league seasons has a 294 batting average. So uh, just somebody keep uh, keep him in, in the back of your uh, mind there. Keep him on your yeah, he, he's he's an interesting one. He's been probably one of the hottest players in their entire system mm. uh, of late. But uh, the guy who's on the 40 man roster and who had the hype before the season started was Nick Prado. But he's been not so great mm. of late. So that's going to be sort of I mean, he's been OK, but. That's going to be something I think to, to keep an eye on. I, I, but first, of course, they have to add him to the big league roster or to the 40 man roster. That's the thing that'll happen first. But right. once it does, I do think there's some interest there. Otherwise, I think they'd like to call up Nick Prado, but I'm not sure they're quite ready to do that yet. And I guess they're still paying Carlos Santana a lot of money. So mm-hmm. they've got to do something and he gets on base kind of. Man, yeah. he makes he makes terrible contact. <laughs> Just awful. Well, he used to be an on-base uh, machine, right? You, you could count on him for a 400 OBP, but that's not the case anymore. But uh, um, Grayson Rodriguez, pitching side, uh, somebody also to keep uh, in the back in your uh, on your watch list as well, Orioles uh, prospect. So um, let's talk about some of the news that took place last week. Uh, Max Scherzer out six to eight weeks with a strained left oblique, uh, felt something uh, while he was pitching, took himself right out of the game, which, uh, you know, I mean, he's out six to eight weeks, you know, uh, maybe it could have been worse. I don't know, but obviously a big blow to the first place Mets. Uh, But if they could get back Scherzer and DeGrom for the second half and they pitch the way that they have in the past, like Cy Young Award winners, they've got, two top fresh arms for the remainder of the season. So, I mean, you, you know, you're not dropping these guys, right? Because somebody will scoop them right up if, if you're rostering them. Hopefully your league has a, an IL spot, but um, I don't know. For the reason that I just mentioned, uh, is that maybe somebody that you'd buy on the cheap? Maybe, you know, to try to oh, 
these are those are premium DL or IL stashes, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, in in leagues that have limited IL spots, you have to sort of prioritize your stashes, and and often it's by who you know who might actually come back soonest. The longer you're out, the less I want you, but. Eloy Jimenez has been a guy I've brought up who's still on the hitter list despite having a very questionable return time because premier, I mean, if someone were to come back and make a big impact, who's on the IL right now, who like who would it be on the hitting side more than like Eloy Jimenez? Nobody. He did it last year when he, as soon as he came back, started hitting. Exactly. Right? So that's a premier. And Max Scherzer, uh, that's a premier session because you, you're not going to do the whole, oh, I'll wait to plug him in. You're just going to plug him in. Like, they're not saving his arm, right? Like, right. they're not, I mean, they're worried about his future, but like more like on the retirement side, right? <laughs> like, that he is he is trying to use every last muscle he has in his arm and elbow to win a World Series or something. So, mm-hmm. also nice is that, do you know how many teams right now in the NL East are above 500? Probably just the Mets, right? It is just the Mets. It's yeah. <laughs> the Mets, yeah. and it's not that close. The next best record is Atlanta and Philly, and they're nineteen and twenty-two. Mm. Uh, yeah. The Mets are eight games ahead of everyone else in the division. So, uh, yeah, they don't really need to rush him back quite yet. Now, right. the Mets could go all Mets and you know have a bunch of that eight-game lead eaten up, but you know. Can they hold on to at least one or two of those games for the next six to eight weeks? Yeah, probably mm, yeah. by accident, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah, they're hitting well as a team, and uh, Bassett's been doing well. Even Walker, Taiwan Ty- Walker, when he came back off the IL, has been pitching well. So uh, we'll see. Unfortunately, uh, Tyler McGill is on the IL as well. So that's just always, you know, <laughs> their recent pass had such bad luck when it came to uh, injuries to their players. But I was just looking at a, a few potential replacements. I'll just throw out three names, three pitchers. I mean, obviously, it's not our forte because, you know, we're more of a hitting-focused uh, podcast. But, hey, we know pitching, too. But, obviously, you go to Nick and Alex uh, for uh, the best analysis for pitching but uh, what about martin perez from the rangers has uh, a 0.65 era in his last six starts uh 3-0 record uh jeffrey springs for the rays moved into the rays um starting rotation and uh, last three games that he started 1.88 era 13 k's in 14.1 innings and uh, justin Steele for the cubs man coming on you look at his last four starts has 26 strikeouts in 18 innings pitch with a 2.50 ERA. So that's one thing about, I mean, you could find pitching on the waiver wire. Yeah. And here's the other thing is don't think about the, the pitcher that you're adding here as your replacement for Max Scherzer. You're looking for your replacement for Max Scherzer this week. Your bridge. And that's, yeah. that's yeah. That's for this week. Like that's a, still a tall order, right? Because not a lot of guys on the wire that you feel like that you would be willing to place a bet is going to strike out double digit folks. Whereas on any given night, you kind of look at Max Scherzer and go, "Yeah, he looks mean enough. He could do it today." Mm-hmm. You know, that's not there. But um, the one that kind of stood out to me, not because he's overwhelmingly talented. Not because he's, you know, some kind of amazing pitcher, but Martin Perez, and it's because he gets the A's, right? And if I can't find, you know, if I can't find a, uh, you know, Max Scherzer type player on my roster to plug in, I'll certainly go and, you know, take a gamble on someone playing against the A's. Right, mm. who just don't do enough damage to a guy like Perez. Yeah, Perez doesn't miss a huge number of bats or anything, but like, who are you afraid of in that lineup right now? Sean Murphy? Noisy. Sheldon Noisy. She, yeah, Sheldon yeah, Noisy? Yeah. Like, what, what, what's, what's the fear here? Right? Like, actually, Sean Murphy has been very good against, you know, left-handed pitchers, but, but at the same time, like, you, there's just, it's not the same, it's not the same fear factor. Hmm. Right. Like I'll take up, you know, I'll take these guys who go against weak pitching and let them, you know, let them kind of just roll along. Upside is low. 
Keep that in mind, right? This is not a big strikeout pitcher. But if you need innings, you're in a deep league. Like, is you know, he's going to end the season with like a four and a half ERA or something. But he's not going to get there this. I'd probably be willing to bet that that's not where he'll be this week against the A's. Probably right. still hanging around too, right? Like decent mm-hmm. chance for it. So I'll take it. But again, focus on replacing Max Scherzer just one start at a time right. in anything but the deepest of leagues because just stream it, you know? And uh, we'll just stay with pitching for a moment and talk about a couple of closers that uh, have been having some issues. For the Yankees, Aroldis Chapman, uh, five straight appearances in which he's given up a run, Scott. And uh, now uh, the Yankees are saying he's dealing with an Achilles issue. Not sure if uh, they're going to put him on the IL. I have a feeling they will and just backdate it to uh, you know Sunday's date, the last time that he's pitched. And uh, But uh, now the Yankees have an issue with Chad Green, who had been looked at as a potential replacement uh, and a handcuff for Chapman. He's uh, off, is going to be having some uh, uh, TJ surgery and but but Clay Holmes has really come out of nowhere ever since the Yanks traded for him got him from the Pirates he's been phenomenal last year was five and two with a 1.61 ERA for the Yanks this season uh, hasn't given up a run in 19 straight appearances has a 0.42 ERA four saves uh, 0.692 whip I'm sure he's scooped up in a lot of leagues, but if he's sitting on your waiver wire, a guy that really uh, has an opportunity to step into the closer's role if uh, Chappie, uh, Rodgers Chapman, needs to go on the IL. Yeah, absolutely premier sort of handcuff. If you had a role to Chapman, he was probably a guy you wanted to pick up because one, he's actually, he was doing so well that, you know, he doesn't have elite strikeout numbers, but he does you know, his elite, his ratios were so elite that he might've been worth holding. Obviously, if he becomes a Yankees closer, you, you plug him right in and he instantly becomes, I don't know, a top 12 closer, yeah. maybe better, right? The way he's been pitching. Um, it, it's, you know, it's unreal. They, it just seems like the, it just seems like the pirates just don't ever seem to know what they have. And when they finally have something good, they send them to the minors like O'Neill <laughs> Cruz, right? But, you know, what What are you going to do? But yeah, he's, he's batting on been, the 200, by the way. They ruined him for now. But anyway, yeah, hopefully for temporarily. Yeah. Oh, but, don't, don't worry, though. He, it's just he had stuff he needed to work on. Yeah, uh, defense. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, Clay Holmes, since becoming a Yankee, just in general, has been, he's been so good. So, you know, he has a 1.87 FIP as a Yankee, 49.2 mm-hmm. innings. Just huge fan of, of this, even if Chapman doesn't go on the IL. And if that makes up, you know, if he doesn't go on the IL and then goes and gets a save and a bunch of people drop Clay Holmes, go, go get him immediately. Yeah. This is, for me, this is a hold for at least the next few weeks because mm-hmm. either Aroldis Chapman still, you know, ends up, you know, having that Achilles flare up or something like that, or he continues to just steal saves because Aroldis Chapman isn't just dealing with health issues. He's got performance issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got to hold him. I, I think you have to hold him. Uh, until you feel totally confident that a role this Chapman is healthy again, because you want those saves. And every time he's not getting you saves, he's getting you wins. He's getting your ratios. He's getting it all. So I'd just probably keep holding on to him. In fact, yeah. I'm going to go while you're talking next, whenever that is, I'm going to be seeing if he's available in the, <laughs> in this particular league I'm using to look up stats. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah. Grab them. Um, uh, unfortunately, I mean, it's kind of, you know, Easy to see who's who would take over for Chapman right now, um, but Rays uh, have. First of all, when everyone's healthy in the Rays bullpen, it's tough to determine who the number one guy is there uh, to uh, s- close out games. You know, sometimes it's Kittridge who happens to be on the ten day IL now with a back issue. It's been Brooks Raley uh, part of the season as well, um, but right now with Kittridge. On the IL, uh, I guess it could be Rayleigh. Uh, it could be JP uh, Firezen. I mean, uh, I'm betting on Brooks Rayleigh since he's closed out some games for the Rays so far this season. Unfortunately, though, it's difficult with the way the Rays run their bullpen to determine. Yeah, so just don't. Mm. I mean, that, that's my advice. D- don't bother, mm-hmm. right? Because... It, you know, I talked about this quite a bit actually last season. Kittredge was the leader and, and he was someone worth rostering in, in a lot of leagues uh, for, you know, the roster. But like 
they have so many guys that have pitched well. They have they have so many that that could step into a closer's role without an issue, and that they don't need to. They can just throw out whoever the best particular matchup is that day. Mix and right? match for the situation. They, they really will. It's so weird that you have a what was effectively like this, almost like a four man committee lose someone and get more complicated. Mm. Right. Like, so I'm not rostering any of them in 10 or 12 team leagues or even 15 teamers, unless I'm, you know, unless I'm just begging to have an, another, you know, pitcher on my roster and there's no streamers available. Mm -hmm. Right. So I guess you like, I'm just not speculating here because I just, I can't, I can't see the rays even planning how they want to do this. It's going to be at in that game, whatever gives them the best chance to win. Right. And that's probably not you know, based on how they've shown us. They want to try to win games. That's probably not uh, a decision they make until that inning starts. Right. Right. Um, let's see. Any uh, talk about a couple of, uh, players that uh, went off last week, uh, kudos to you. Uh, the day after we talked about Isak Paredes uh, hit a couple of home runs, and I think he hit another home run later in the season. He's getting some more playing time uh, for the Rays. Um, is there a hotter player right now than Trevor Story? We spoke about him uh, last week. Six home runs, 14 RBI, two stolen bases last week, batting three sixty. Um, let's see who else. How about Cole Calhoun? Five home runs last season, batting three seventy five. Uh, last season, last week, batting three seventy five on the week. Um, but uh, kudos to you on the Isak call. Thank you. Uh, I I love him a lot. Obviously, he's still not an ad in most fantasy leagues, but uh, worth looking at. Another guy who's been really hot, who I never really get that excited about, but who's hitting for power somehow. Gene Segura has been uh, quite hot when he's been on the field for the Phillies. So someone to keep an eye on, uh, you know, this week will be half over by the time you listen to this. But if you listened to me on Monday on the first pitch podcast, you heard me talk about the twins having a, uh, 11 games in 10 days. Uh, and that means you probably want Luis Arias in mm. your lineups. He's going to be sitting at the top and Oh yeah. Of those 11 games, all of them, are against the Royals and Tigers, hmm. right? That's a pretty sweet setup for a hitter, right? Yep. Who's the best? The, the best pitcher they're going to face is Tarek Skubal. I'm not even mm-hmm. kidding around. Like that is by far the best pitcher they're going to face. So uh, I'm all about it. I I absolutely you know I like and of course he's been hitting well. He uh, in the you know since May 8th, which is roughly two weeks, right? He has a 20.5 percent walk rate and a four and a half percent strikeout rate. Like he's just walking like crazy. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. So that, that's someone I'm really looking at. Who's been hot. Uh, It's been good to see Mookie Betts really start heating up up again. Um, Yeah. But everybody owns him. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Uh, But you know, those, those were, those were probably the biggest ones. I'm not super excited about Cole Calhoun because he does this. And even when he's hot, he strikes out a ton. Mm-hmm. So that kind of just shows me he's he's hot, but he's going to get real cold again soon. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski is a little bit more interesting. I'm really liking the plate discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been hot these last two weeks. So again, he's like a fourth or fifth outfielder type that, you know, when I, you know, as I'm working on the list later tonight, he might sneak into that bottom tier. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, he's still this very classic, like he can give you power and counting stats, but he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't steal bases. He's not like this super batting average guy. I mean, he's hitting well right now, obviously, but so he's someone that it's hard to get too excited about until he start, you know, until he really has to sustain success because a lot of players can do what he does. Um, you know, it's a classic hot streak right now for Hunter Renfro. Right. Um, he just does this hot, cold, hot, cold, you know, don't, don't overthink it. Um, I'm trying to think anyone else that I've really been paying attention to. I mean, Brendan Rogers was hot, but you know, right. This is the perfect time. I tried to talk about this before. I'll keep talking about it whenever I can, but uh, a lot of Rockies are going to be at the top of the best of last 15 days lists or or best of the last seven days list. When you go to sort players and you know why? Because they've been home a ton. 
right? Yep. And now they start a road trip. You know, the hardest thing the Rockies players have to do is adjust to that ball that doesn't move that they just watched for, you know, I think like two or three straight series uh, ball that, you know, really stays bare, you know, doesn't break. And then they have to go to places that have a ball that breaks hard. Mm. So a lot of times they have this hangover after leaving because they have to readjust to how the ball moves, like to the physics of those of us that dwell down on the ground and not up in the sky. Right. 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 So it, it is, it is actually difficult. And it's even little things like, like breath. And it's actually harder for people that go there than, you know, from leaving there, but a lot of things change. So something to keep in mind, I, I still like CJ Chrome, but like Brendan Rogers is still very fringy to me. Uh, finally, you know, just a couple more that were on my mind. Alec Thomas. Uh, Alec Thomas has been, you know, quite for good for the Diamondbacks. Like, that's one day of the reasons, one. Yeah, yeah. One of the things, one of the reasons I can't really get too excited about Corbin Carroll yet because it's not like Alec Thomas is, you know, they're not going to kick him out. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of need more spots to open up. And then uh, Colton Wong. Colton Wong, you know, he hasn't been, you know, the batting average hasn't all been there, but he's stealing bases. He's walking. He's getting on base. This looks like one of like the better years that we see out of Colton Wong, where every once in a while he pops for a bunch of extra stolen bases or home runs. So this looks like it could be one of those. There's not a lot of power in the bat and the, you know, the expected stats are going to make it look like he's getting obscenely lucky. And to some extent he is, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, he makes his own luck. He's a speedy little guy who just, you know, slaps balls right over the infield and puts the ball, you know, puts it where they ain't, except mm-hmm. doesn't do it by hitting it very far. Right. And then, you know, he could just end the season as a 10 to 15 home run, 25 stolen base kind of guy. That's nice. I like that. Um, okay. And so you mentioned expected stats. Why don't we take a quick break? And uh, you even alluded to it earlier in the podcast. Uh, let's talk about expected stats, what they tell us, uh, if we could use them, if they're predictive or like you mentioned, if they just tell us um, more about uh, a player's luck. But uh, we'll talk about that right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, Fantasy Podcast, Joe Galina and Scott Chu. And uh, before we took our quick break, we uh, uh, mentioned that we were going to talk about expected stats. And and Scott, um, so what are expected stats really telling us? I mean, can we use them uh, to be predictive? Uh, I mean, or, they, or maybe they're more uh, a way to get to the core of the quality of, of a player's performance, whether it's quality of contact or pitcher's performance, where you eliminate the things that the batter or pitcher really can't control. I mean, you know, when a player is slumping, but his expected stats don't agree, can we say that uh, he's simply been unlucky? <laughs> and of course, I can give you the very reassuring answer of probably. <laughs> uh, so well, let's first talk a little bit about how that sausage is made, right? So expected stats, uh, and we actually talked about this a little earlier in the year. One of the things about expected stats is it basically takes the exit velocity and the launch angle of the ball that was hit. Only those two things. It does not account for direction like pull versus push versus center. Uh, it doesn't really take in, again, anything into account except for launch angle and exit velocity. 
It takes those two things and looks for all the other hits that were the same or similar to that hit and then sees the actual results of those hits. It then takes the total batting average of those events and creates then the expected batting average. If you had a ball on average, if you had a ball with this speed and this launch angle, you get on base this often. That's mm. expected batting average. Expected slugging is the same basic thing. You hit a ball with this exit velocity and this launch angle. Uh, this is the slugging we would expect you to have on average, right? Some people will be better. Some people will be worse. You know, sometimes it goes, you know, sometimes it's a zero because, it, you know, the expected stat might say like, oh yeah, that's got like a point, you know, that's a point four hundred. But, you know, so it's a, you know, it's a 400 average on that. Well, you see, sometimes it's a zero because it's a liner right to the center fielder. Hmm. right and it's a great contact and it's right to him so it's, it was really in reality a zero percent chance play right expected stats can't take that into account so a couple quick caveats again they don't account for directionality right they don't account for push versus pull that means it's always going to give a little it's always going to think that heavy pull hitters are a bit unlucky right it's always going to give them a little extra because you know, yeah, on average, that that ground ball at 106 miles an hour has a decent shot of being a hit, but not when it's Joey Gallo pounding another ground ball right into the shift, mm-hmm. right? That was a 0% chance play, right? So again, those are the things that expected staffs can't take into account. But generally, what they'll really tell you is about quality of contact. It'll tell you how well they're hitting the ball because, again, it's just a derivative of exit velocity and launch angle, right? Those two things make, you know, you, you don't do it as their total average, but each individual event, that's where it comes from. So it's good for, uh, it, it is a really good gut check on how how much is luck playing a role. What they can't tell you about is, is he hot or is he you know, is he, is it talent or is it both? Mm. It can't tell you that. That is a little bit of a, you know, that's a gut check. Like right now, you know, who's at the top of the expected Woba leaderboard. Who's that? It might trout, which, uh. you know, which checks out. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that that's, that's just the way it goes. Right. So, um, I mean, essentially, you know, expected Woba, you can generally think of his quality of contact that also starts factoring in strikeouts and walks. So, that's the way it works. So it, it really likes him and Aaron judge and Jordan Alvarez. Those are the top three, but mm-hmm. then what's actually interesting is, you know, the next couple of names and they're the names that we're all trying to figure out. Is this a hot player or is this like a really good player? Taylor Ward, Jock Peterson, Rowdy Telez, and Josh Naylor. Right. And the problem is that their presence on this list, even though they're, you know, number four, five, six, seven, their presence here doesn't necessarily mean that they are of this talent level. It just mm. means that for now, they've hit a bunch of balls really hard. Right. It, and not into the ground all the time. Right. That That's really what it's telling us. They've made really good contact. But again, the human element can't be captured by X stats. And that's the whole, if you've ever played a sport, sometimes if you're playing baseball, that thing's coming in and it looks the size of like, it looks like a grapefruit. Right. Or it looks, it looks like a beach ball. You just feel like you can crush that thing no matter how it gets into the zone. Right. And then there's other times where it looks like, you know, they're, they're shooting salt pellets at you. And like, you can't, you can't see it. You know, it's a house fly. No matter how much you swing, you never seem to be able to get to it. So there's that human element uh, and the way players break out of that. Um, and the way players break out of all those things is more a element of their true talent. x just tells us, about what they've done so far. And that's really mm-hmm. the conclusion. They're not predictive because they're stats. Stats are always historical. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, uh, if you have a good X, well, you know, if you have a huge gap between your WOBA and your expected WOBA or your average and your expected average, at some point, that's going to level out. Expected stats are a much better calculator of that kind of thing than BABIP could ever be. Right? Um, and let me just stop you one one quick second because you mentioned Jock Peterson. So if I take a look at his stats, right? Uh, basically, uh, two thirty nine batting average, three twenty seven expected batting average. You talk about guys that have a real big gap between the two. Uh, Five hundred 
slug versus an expected 673 slug and a 349 uh, Woba and a 443 X Woba. So, I mean, there's no way. Jock Peterson has never been a 300 hitter. So you're right. There's going to be some adjustment there. But the fact is, and, and you brought up, uh, you know, that w- Woba and expected Woba do show uh, that, uh, you know, a player could be hitting the ball a lot harder. And he's hit seven home runs in his first 31 games. Last season had seven in his first 64 games. So uh, I just wanted to back up a little bit about what you said. So no, sorry for cutting you off. And it's a great point mm-hmm. because the big the, the big thing right now that stands out isn't even necessarily the gaps, right? It's his barrel rate. So his bail rate is usually 10%, like clockwork. The guy's been around a 10% bail rate his whole career. It's 20% right now. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that's only 73 batted balls. And the average season for him is somewhere between 300 and 350 batted balls. Right. Right. So could this just be a particular hot streak? Still a chance. Right. But at least now, you know, you're not just looking at hard hit rate and being like, oh, yeah, I guess he's different. Oh, his X slugs better. I guess he's different. No, but I, I want a little more than that. And a little more than that is a double the barrel rate because, again, they're all derivatives of each other. So, you know, whenever you hear this is my biggest, it's not a pet peeve, but I just have to go on the soapbox for a second. A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll get on Twitter and they'll take a little like screen grab of someone's. MLB percentile rankings from their StatCast page. And they go, look at all that red. And that's because a bunch of those stats are all derivatives of the same thing, right? If you go to Jock Peterson's StatCast page, you'll see that there are seven items that are, wow, they're all red because they're all derivatives of exit velocity and um, launch angle, right? Mm. Because those things are average exit velocity, max exit velocity, hard hit rate, expected wall, extended batting average, expected slugging, and barrel percent. What's a barrel? A barrel is the ideal combination of exit velocity and launch angle. Hard hit. That's just exit velocity. X-WOBA, expected batting average, and X-lugging. All derivatives of exit velocity and launch angle. All that stuff's the same, right? So, like, I don't care. I know they're all red because the two of them are red. All of them are red, right? Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you see some weird stuff with, like, Averages red, but like slugging is blue, like an Arias kind of thing, because they're a slap hitter or whatever. But um, all of them kind of move together. So don't fall for the red, what I call the red trap, the red seduction. Oh, it's all red. Yeah, because like that's just how those stats work. Like those two things will always be high. Mm-hmm. Like you, you won't see someone have a really high, you know, you can't have someone like, oh yeah, they have a, they have a really good slugging, but uh, they don't hit for power. Well, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. Right. Because like th- those two things just are, they, they go together. So just had to throw that out there, but mm-hmm. it's, it's something to keep an eye on that 20% barrel rate means something. The whiff rate is much, you know, it isn't actually that bad. Uh, you know, he actually, you know, he's getting some more sweet spot contact, which is just a matter of launch angle. That means a ball hit in the ideal launch angle. So it all looks legit. He's not getting lucky. So now it's just a matter of, is this a skill change or is this a hot streak? Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at another player who has some uh, pretty big gaps in their numbers, um, expected stats and their actual stats. Um, Let's take a look at Nelson Cruz. You could call him up, right? Now you look at his, you know, Nelson Cruz, 41 years old. uh, if, If you read about his career, uh, known for being really intense with uh, his health and, and, and his workouts, always make sure that he gets his eight hours of sleep, and, and that's helped him, you know, uh, to maintain his uh, longevity. And you know, but so far the season, lost three miles off of egg, average exit velocity, uh, fairly significant drops in barrel rate, hard hit rate, ISO, even his launch angle has dropped fairly significantly and obviously with the launch angle dropping not hitting as many fly balls uh but on the other hand when you look at his expected stats uh when i looked at his batting average it was 191 expected batting average 270 his slug 287 expected slug 497 and woba 254 and expected woba 357 so when you look at these expected stats they're basically you know, saying that his quality of contact thus far, you know, puts him, uh, 
you know his, that his his production should be what it's always been. No, it tells us that l- bad luck is playing a role. Yeah, is what it tells us. It doesn't mm. tell us that it's the only impact, mm. right? Probably doesn't help that he's hitting ground balls fifty one percent of the time, right? right. We, he's he ain't hitting an infield single. I mean, he does get like one infield hit a year uh, from some weird, horrible happenstance, but that that's not a recipe of you know it's not a recipe for success he can't hit that many ground balls and be successful mm-hmm. so you know, that's definitely something i'm worried about i'm also worried about just you know it's the lack of power it's not the batting average right and the plate discipline is fine right it's just there's that that ball's just not moving the way it used to move the sound off the bat is not the same that it used to be and the stat page isn't the same as it used to be. He's just not hitting for any power. So that's really the concern. The expected stats tell me that power, you know, that there is some bad luck, but that bad luck doesn't, you know, how much of that, how much bad luck could there possibly be to make him go from a 092 ISO to something closer to what I expect for him, which is like 250. Hmm. Right. Like he doesn't have a hundred and sixty points of ISO bad luck. That's not real. Mm. You can't be that unlucky. So I see that luck is playing a role. Now I want to see what else is going on. And I'm very concerned about all those ground balls. He's, you know, and that's, you know, that's going to sap power immediately. Right. In fact, ground balls are tough because they'll, they'll deceive you in a way. They'll give you the Yandy Diaz effect which is a ground ball that that exit velocity is actually measured off the bat. Right. But when you hit a ground ball, the first thing that stupid ball does is hits the ground and its velocity decreases immensely. So yeah, you hit it real hard, but whenever you hit the ball down, it doesn't matter how hard you hit it because you really only hit it half that hard at best. Right. Right. So if he's hitting ground balls, it's actually probably masking his exit velocity problem. Because he might be hitting it, you know, he, he's hitting so many in the ground that some of those might be hard, like 100 miles an hour, but straight down. So uh, very concerning there. I'm not cutting him or anything, mm-hmm. uh, but I may be benching him. He's been a bit better in May with batting average, but still no power until the power comes back. I'm not sure I want to start him. We're starting to get to a point where you might have to consider letting him go in like 10 and 12 teamers. Right. Not too many. uh Ground ball home runs, right? Unless, you know, every once in a while, you know, get an inside the park or, you know, something that caroms in the in the outfield. But uh, uh, so take a look at uh, Glaber Torres, right? Now, and is he a guy that you might, you know, look at his actual and expected stats and, and everything that else is that's going on and say, yeah, he might be a, a decent, you know, buy low. Um, you look at his average uh, 242 expected batting average 305 uh slug and expected slug 425 and 559 woba and expected woba 310 and 381 and you know you know we were talking about uh to the start, the start of the season that offense was down but his iso is up to 177 from 107 last season average exit velocity up almost 5 miles per hour uh, significant gains in hard hit rate this season. Barrel rates up. K rate is down twenty point two to sixteen point two. So you look at his actual numbers, and it looks like there might be hope for um, upside there. Yeah, a little bit. You know, he's been better this month. Uh, you know, hitting like two fifty, I believe, uh, since May eighth, which again is about two weeks. Uh, and he actually had sat for a couple games leading into that. He's had some multiple hit games. Um, he didn't hit any home runs against Baltimore, which was my understanding <laughs> that that's all he does. But uh, not anymore. Actually, not anymore. <laughs> I, I, I will never get over the fact that Gary Sanchez actually had a better season against the Orioles that year. Uh, and it was more extreme than Glaber Torres. But Glaber's the one that got all the like all of the analysts all up in arms and Gary Sanchez has been equally bad mm. <laughs> since then, but we, he never gets crap for it. Anyway, labor um, might've been single-handedly uh, responsible for getting those, uh, those fences moved in. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I, I like the play discipline that he's showing. Um, I, I like a lot of the things there and 
now I'm seeing that bad luck is also playing a role right now. Do I think it's it, that his true talent is what the X stat says? No. Uh, but I do think that again, there's evidence that he's not just like he's showing signs of life and there might be more there, even if he doesn't continue improving because he can just get better luck and the the situation improves. So that is someone who you could buy low, especially because someone might think they're selling high because he has been a little better lately and they just might not be believers in Glaber, mm-hmm. right? Like he had those three home runs to start the month. He's been pretty quiet since uh, they might be ready to move on. They might think they're selling high mm-hmm. when really you're kind of, you're buying as low as someone would have sold because remember, nobody wants to sell hot or nobody wants to sell low, Right. Um, everybody wants to sell high. So when a player is like not perform- performing well and you can think you can buy low, he's not really for sale. They're like, no, 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 no. I'll wait for him to do a little better. He's gotten a little better, but then slowed down a little. That's the buying window. If you're into Glaber Torres, now is the time. He's available and people will think they're getting a de- good deal, right. even if you fleece him a little. There you go. Let's try to fleece uh, some of our league mates when it comes to Jesse Winkrek. <laughs> right you, let's take a look at his expected and actual stats right uh, expected and um let's take a look at his batting average first right 216 average 285 expected slug 304 427 uh woba 280 actual 346 expected Pretty big drop in power indicators, right? Hard hit rate down significantly from last season, 46.8 to 29.2. Barrel rate down from 11.2 to 4.6. Average exit velocity down almost four miles per hour. So we could talk about him getting traded, and I think we did in a previous podcast, from a really good hitter's park to uh, a more of a pitcher's park in Seattle, but when your hard hit rate and your average exit velocity goes down, um, your power is going to go down. And he also has some weird splits. I don't know if you noticed this, Scott, um, where uh, was a last season where he was batting 346 against righties and 177 against lefties. All of a sudden this season, he's he's hitting lefties at, at a rate of 283 and righties at uh, 186. So it's kind yeah. of strange. Well, both of his home runs are against lefties, yeah, which yeah. Uh, he actually has against righties. He has two extra base hits uh, in 106 at bats against lefties. He has seven in 52 plate appearances, 46 at bats. Hmm. That makes no sense. That's just uh, splits in season are just generally fairly unreliable. Uh, but I guess especially this early too, right? It is fascinating. <laughs> uh, but anyway, with, with Jesse Winker, he has been better this month. Uh, but part of that is because he's just been a bit more aggressive, right? The batting average is up in May. The power is better. It's not all there, but it's better. Uh, but something really weird has happened. If you look at his overall walk rate, you're like, oh, yeah, it's like 12%. He's taking a ton of walks. Not in the month of May. He only has four walks the entire month. To put that in perspective, he had 17 last month. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's like almost stopped walking to just start swinging the bat and it might be working. So I would expect it. Like, I'm sort of curious as to what, uh, what adjustment comes after this, right? Because there's no way he's just all, he's going from this really high walk player all of a sudden to this like 4% walk rate player. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if that's him trying to jumpstart the bat. So that's kind of what I'm watching there. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's wind this down. Uh, there were a couple other players that were on our uh, rundown. Uh, Alex Verdugo, his expected stats a lot better than his actual stats. The guy's a career 282 hitter. Um, uh, let's see some other players. Christian Walker, 10 home runs overall, only batting 201, but expected batting average 2. 77 expected slug 625 actual 458 yeah he's been Uh, heating up a lot so i mean that's again x stats aren't predictive but Mm -hmm. luck gets better the only problem is you don't know when so it looks like his luck is correcting itself a bit that doesn't mean what he's been recently is his true talent or whatever but he's getting some luck correction and you know he's the kind of hitter who's got just enough power to where if he gets hot it he's interesting 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cheap, cheap you know, power. He had a 30 home run season once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Pham, uh, you know, uh, 262 career hitter, modest power and speed, plays in a real good hitter's park. Uh, 226 versus 286, uh, actual and expected batting average. Uh, Jorge Mateo, useful player because of stolen bases, and he could play a couple of different positions. 219 batting average and 269 expected. Um, any of those guys move the dial for you? Well, Jorge Mateo is really interesting, but I'll tell you what, I don't give two licks about his expected batting average or slugging. Right. You care about his stolen bases and getting I care bases. about home runs and stolen yeah. bases, and you can hit a lot of home runs without having a high slugging. If you'll remember famously, I've ranted about Rugnet Odor hitting 30 home runs and slugging like 396, mm. right? Like, it's possible. And guys like Jorge Mateo can do that because they strike out you know, a lot more than they should. They never walk. So they have this tiny slugging compared to you know how many home runs they hit. Right. But anyway, uh, he can hit home runs. He can hit doubles and he can steal a whole bunch of bases. So there, there's some value there. Uh, Tommy Pham, you know, while that lineup's hot, he'll at least score runs. So even if the as long as he gets on base a little bit and he is doing that, even if the batting average is low lately, he's still walking enough, I think, to be to be sort of valuable in that sense. Uh, and, you know, Finally, you know, like even Jonathan Scope, I, I watch him quite a bit, and I, so there's just not enough there. And even when he's good, he's just a power hitting player with second base eligibility, right? Mm-hmm. There's other ones of those that are interesting right now, so no need to hold it. So mm-hmm. again, there's some bad luck going on with some of these players. Um, I, you know, again, particularly interested in Mateo because usually speedy players like this, you know, speed is not accounted for in X stats. So usually players like this are able to beat their X stats to an extent because they're able to outrun balls that normally would have been out for players that are less uh, speedy. So the fact that he's a little under makes me wonder either if he's hitting a ton of grounders, right? You know, pulling a ton of grounders, which are just turning into a lot of outs, you know, right to the shortstop or something. Mm -hmm. Or if he's, uh, if he is just been unlucky and I can expect maybe even some batting average correction one day, which might be nice, yeah. but I mean, even that would be two fifty. He, mm-hmm. He's just never going to hit for a high average, but he's, he's the most interesting, but it's just because he has power and speed. Right. Uh, and just a quick thing, uh, scope. I think he actually hit a home run tonight. I think he was two for four last I looked. Remember we are recording this uh, May 23rd, Monday night. And uh, I think that, uh, slams the lid on things for today there scott uh next time we get together wednesday june 1st great analysis as always from you and uh, follow my man scott at if the chew fits don't forget to follow me at joe galena follow our podcast at hacks and jacks bl let us know uh, if there's anything specific that you'd like us to cover you could subscribe to our podcast wherever you digest your podcast content leave us a nice review uh and uh, as always we hope that all of your fantasies become realities and we'll see you next time